hello 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 and welcome back to the competent podcast where we talk about your favorite movies music tv shows and more i'm tori and i'm decoria and when tori and decoria get together it is only about mess we only talk (laughs) about the most wild shit in the world because that's where our interests align now um forgive me our upload schedule being a little iffy right now your girl is trying to get through my first month of being a teacher i still have not been paid yet (laughs) one month salary is whack as fuck (laughs) yeah i also am on a monthly salary as well and i i feel your pain (laughs) that's a real struggle i'm just sitting here like how much work have i done how many times have i yelled at kids (laughs) and i still don't have a paycheck um but you know as summer winds down and my favorite season, spooky season, is upon us, I still hope you're wearing your mask, drinking your water, and wearing your sunscreen. Today, me and Corey are going to be talking about the summer sensation of yeah, the bear. Like viral hit. Viral hit. The bear, uh, for those of you who weren't on the internet <laughs> this summer, uh, is a American comedy drama television series created by Christopher Stower. It premiered on Hulu on June 23rd. Stars Jeremy Allen White as a young award-winning chef who returns to his hometown of Chicago to manage the chaotic kitchen at his deceased brother's sandwich shop. It's a star-studded cast. Um, the first season came out last year which I did not know of. Like, I hadn't heard of this show until this summer. <laughs> same, so, same. So I was surprised to see that season one and season two were an entire year apart. Um, but yes, it's 20 to 66 minutes an episode. Jaren Allen White, Eben Moss Branchard, uh, Ayo, Ep- I don't know how to say it. Ayo's last name. What is it? Edibiri? Yeah, Edibiri. Uh-huh. Yeah, Edibiri. Iota Berry, um, Lionel Boyce, Lisa Colonzias, Abby Ellett, and Matty Mattinson. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Before we get into like breakdown of season one and season two, how did you hear about the bear, Corey? Why did you start watching it? I actually heard about it through a different podcast called Shits and Gigs. It's like two British mm. guys like yes. do like um pop culture, funny stuff. And mm-hmm sometimes on their show they'll randomly talk about like something they were watching that was really good and so one of the podcast hosts used to be in the uh restaurant industry and yes. he mentioned the bear and he kept saying how good it was and like they, they do that thing it was like oh bro it's a show it's a show <laughs> like, okay. whatever he talks about was i always bust out laughing oh yeah like, what do you it's mean a you're movie bloodhouse? <laughs> bloodhouse that's a show <laughs> But didn't they watch they also watched the glory didn't they because i remember they always yes. talked about it yes <laughs> whenever their k-drama clips they always come on my for you page and I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> yes so i was intrigued by the bear because my entire fucking timeline was like oh my god the bear oh my god the bear <laughs> yeah oh my god carmen and sydney and i was just like i know it's the summer of the swirl because God forbid black women <laughs> go viral for being in love with someone who's not white. But I was just like, is this show that good? Like, but then I started seeing like clips, that specific clip of Carmen where he's about to have a mental fucking breakdown and he didn't think of Sydney. That's what got me. Oh, yeah. I was like, I was like oh, oh, oh. Not her was that the comfort. clip from season two? 
I think. I think it's either midway season one or the beginning season two. I'm pretty sure it's like it's like one of those moments where they're about to go like do something and he just has a full fucking like he's out smoking and it just he's like thinking about his family breaking down i'm pretty sure that's season two because it's the family oh yeah yeah it is season two it was season two near the end because i remember he was thinking about his his girlfriend that he wasn't sure yes (laughs) girl we will talk about that girl (laughs) i was i was i was i was so that's how I found it, and I ended up binge watching it before I started work this summer. So that was one of the things I did. Um, overall feelings before we get into details. <laughs> um, overall, I thought it was a very good show considering mm-hmm. the subject matter. It's like I'm not really big into like like I don't know anything about the restaurant industry, so right. the. I was able to get so invested and then learn stuff about the restaurant industry through this show made it really good for me. And it was yes. very intense. Like it was way more intense than I was expecting it to be. So, oh my God. We need season three to come out now. So I can see what happens. Yes. I enjoyed, I think I definitely enjoyed the first season more than the second. Mm-hmm. I had a little beef with the pacing of the second episode. The I second can definitely season. see where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, I do I do have to commend them for making something that is not everybody's interest, which is the cooking industry interesting. Yes. <laughs> the exactly. amount of times they say fuck in the show is obscene. <laughs> I think there was one scene where the uncle was cursing someone out and he was like, fuck it, he fuck, fuck, fuck. And I was like, okay, <laughs> whoa, we get it. Like now y'all giving family guy comedy with the constant F bombs. But I did think the acting was impeccable. Um, I have a beef with the fandom more than I have a beef with the show. <laughs> so, oh, okay. I, I can't. I can't blame the show on what I went there to look for and did not receive. So yeah. Um. Yeah. So Jeremy Allen White plays Carmen Brazado. He's an award-winning New York City chef who returns to his hometown to run his brother's sandwich shop. Right. It's kind of like a bodega. But not yeah. a bodega, um, but like a little girl house. And Richie, who is their cousin, who he calls cousins the entire show, is the de facto manager after Michael committed a uh, suicide. Uh, and then Sydney, who's played by Ale, is a talented but inexperienced chef who joins the Beef, which is the name of the show, um, as the new sous chef. Um, Lionel Boyce as Marcus, who's the baker. Lisa is Tina. She is the stubborn veteran line cook. We have Abby, who is Sugar, who is Carmi's sister, uh, Carmi and Michael's sister, and she's like the mm-hmm. co-owner of Beef because she signed off on a loan for her brother to own this. <laughs> and then Maddie, who is Neil Fack, um, who was a childhood friend of the Rosettos, and sometimes a handyman for the shop. And so um, these people, watching these people, kind of all come together in the first season. I don't know if we should go. I mean, we can, the synopsises are short, so we can just give our feelings for each episode. So the first one, it says, the summer of 2020 things, James Beard, award-winning chef, Carmen, returns home um, to the beef in Chicagoland, a rundown River North restaurant. His brother committed suicide. His brother, best friend, Richie, the stubborn staff. He efforts to modernize the restaurant. Carmen hires a Culinary Institute of America trained chef, Sydney. Who wants to help her fix the restaurant because it's her favorite. Her father's favorite. Yeah. Um, 
this is where we kind of learn about like the system of cooking, which I thought was a really good intro. Like they kind of literally just drop us in like they're like back to being open or whatever, or they're like practicing. And so you just get to see how fucking stubborn everybody is. That shit annoyed no fuck (laughs) out of me. Stubborn is like almost like an understatement. They are just hard headed. They are. And they like, there's somebody in here who definitely knows what the fuck he's doing. And y'all are talking about, oh, we're not trying to be fancy. Oh, you're trying to be this, that, that, that. Why are you changing shit? Because y'all were working in a filthy fucking kitchen and don't have a chain of command. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I get that everybody is like high key still mourning the loss of Michael or what fucking ever, but y'all still have to make money. Y'all don't want the restaurant to close. Y'all still got customers to serve. Why are, is everybody in their mama being like, Carmen's like, I need you to stay corner when you come around a corner so I don't bump into you with this giant hot vat of sauce. And everybody's like, whoa. I was like, I'm like are y'all, y'all are worse than my third graders. <laughs> y'all are <laughs> literally worse than my third graders. And so that kind of atmosphere definitely kicks in more when Sydney comes in. And Sydney, who is used to being in a like, a culinary kitchen is like, yeah, Carmen is saying shit that makes sense. <laughs> I'm just going to follow along. And they're like, oh, she's Miss Fancy. And I'm like, really? Y'all are getting on my nerves. Um, So that's kind of like the first episode. I think I was very overwhelmed by all the cussing. Um, Richie, this whole first season, punch him in his face. That was the only thing I wanted to do was punch cousin in his face. Um, so the second episode is Carmi works at a fine dining restaurant where his boss verbally abuses him as he has a flashback. In the present, Carmi attempts to overhaul the menu as he faces continued resistance from the staff who fail to show him respect. Carmi's sister, Sugar, attempts to help but struggles to connect with him after a health inspector discovers multiple safety and sanitation issues. The restaurant is giving a C. Why are we surprised? Um, Carmi discovers how poorly the restaurant has been managed. And his brother owed their uncle $300,000. Cicero. Cicero offers to buy the restaurant from Cami, who refuses the offer but promises to pay his brother's loan. Sydney wants to be paid as a proper sous chef. Richie reveals to Sydney that Michael won't allow Carmi to work in the restaurant when he was younger and that he shot himself in the head four months earlier. So this is where we first begin to learn that Michael and Carmi's relationship is kind of very weird. He always felt like he was in his brother's shadow. And for some reason, Michael did not want him working at their family restaurant because their parents ran this restaurant before Michael took over. Yeah. And so he didn't want Carmi to take it. On one hand, it feels like he didn't want Carmi to take it because the restaurant is currently $300,000 in debt. <laughs> so, in debt. I was so shocked when I found that out. I was like, how? <laughs> really? I was like, what did you use $300,000 for? We'll find out later. We yeah. have answers to that later. <laughs> but Carmi, but I think also Michael saw potential in Carmi and he didn't want him to get stuck in New York or whatever. So that's that episode. Um, the next one's called Brigade. Carmen attends an AI Anonymous meeting in an attempt to better understand his brother's struggle with addiction. Yes, we learned that Michael was taking pills, doing drugs, things like that. At the restaurant, he introduces Brigade de Cuisine-style kitchen and relies on the ill-prepared and increasingly frustrated Sydney to manage it. <laughs> I don't like how they described her. Ill-prepared, Ill-prepared. I don't know. Increasingly frustrated, Yes. <laughs> 
After initial failures, the staff begins to connect to their new roles, particularly Marcus, the passionate baker. Carmi and Sydney clash over how to best run the restaurant. Um, Carmi was also in a brigade de cuisine style restaurant, which just means everybody has roles and you take commands. And so he suffered a lot of verbal abuse under that. And so Sydney also had been in the kitchen like that. And she's like, what the fuck? I really don't want to <laughs> do this. And so they're kind of butthead. And then in the next episode, Carmi and Richie cater a children's birthday party for Cicero. Carmen creates oh. <laughs> homemade ecto cooler, which is accidentally spiked with Richie's Xanax, causing yeah. the children to pass out of the yard. To their surprise, Cicero finds it humorous. Meanwhile, Sydney bonds with the restaurant staff and begins to earn the respect. Marcus becomes passionate about his new chocolate cake program. When they showed the children sleeping. I was like, first of all, it's very concerning. <laughs> yes. And then Cicero was like, are they dead? And then Carmen was like, no. And he's like, well, I'm kind of into this. <laughs> I'm thinking this. And like, the more you see Cicero and like Carmi and Richie interact, it's a very love-hate relationship because Richie and Carmi, who don't get along, both fucking hate Cicero. <laughs> yeah. And so in their love-hate relationship, they're both like, fuck this man. But they decide to pay back this $300,000, they're going to cater and do whatever this man asks of them when it comes to parties and food and stuff. I don't know how, I want to know how the Zedics got in there. How did, how did that happen? <laughs> I don't even understand it either. Like, <laughs> I, like, did the pill bottle just fall in? When how, Why did he have the pill bottle near him? That's what, I don't get it. Why did you leave it on the table? <laughs> why did you leave it on the table? It was, and no, it was no one thought to call uh, the poison control right to see like children taking Xanax and like how much Xanax was in the drinks <laughs> like one pill over like seven children okay but if there's more than one pill in there <laughs> it's gonna be insane um so yes that was episode four episode five Carmi and Sydney agree to create a new dinner menu to increase profits as they prepare to open for lunch, a toilet backs up. Because what the fuck else could go wrong? Carmi calls Fack, um, Richie's friend, to fix it. Fack wants to be an employee, but his interview with Richie uh, accumulates into a fight, which Carmi breaks up. Fack reveals that Richie has been selling cocaine <laughs> in the alley behind the restaurant. Which Richie is insane, by the way. <laughs> Insanity. Like- Richie explains that this business got this that this got the business through COVID nineteen, but agrees to stop. As Marcus rushes to bake cakes, a fuse blows and the restaurant operations cease. When Fack informs Carmi it will cost over five thousand dollars to replace a damaged condenser, he asks Richie to get the money by selling cocaine one final time. Sydney saves the day by running an outdoor on service using a makeshift barbecue pit. I love Sydney's mind. She's like, we gotta make some money somehow. <laughs> right. Like, we like, still gotta have the people. Right. We need to get this shit together. We can't just sit here. Um, Mark is overpassionate behind, like, sir, your cakes. Okay, cool. But you also have to make the bread for the entire sandwich shop. So the cakes can wait. But um, yeah, that was a crazy ass episode. I was like, you're a drug dealer? <laughs> He's like, I just, just do it on the side. He was like trying to downplay it. I was like, sir, cocaine is <laughs> like a level one drug. I don't understand. Right. <laughs> I mean, Not there a... was a, some other very uh, extreme drug, drug use in later season, but we'll talk about that at the end. Oh, God. Yes. 
All right. So, number six, Cersei's. Sydney develops a risotto meal for an upcoming dinner menu, but Carmi rejects it. Sydney serves it to a customer anyway. Sugar comes to the restaurant to figure out the restaurant's unpaid taxes. Because, God forbid, the IRS pop in here. Then y'all really fucked up. <laughs> um, she and Carmi search for the missing documents. Marcus continues to work hard on developing donuts, but finds himself behind on restaurant work. The restaurant has its window shot out by a stray gunfire. <laughs> and Richie Which asks also the local, does make makes no sense. I don't know why. They're like, how do we make them more in debt? <laughs> I need one more big in debt situation. Okay, glass out gunfire. Because we're in Chicago. I was like, really? <laughs> um, and Richie asks the local gangsters to find out who did it. Later, the gangsters get into a scuffle, which Sydney breaks up by offering them leftovers. Richie feels left out and unneeded because Sydney's success and calls the police on the gangsters. This episode was unhinged. Richie and that goddamn gun. Richie likes to act like he's such a fucking gangster. And I'm like, if you don't put the gun down, <laughs> like, so they get into a scuffle and you're going to go out there and pull a gun and be like, hey, calm down. You're in front of my restaurant. They're supposed to be scared of you. <laughs> um, So Sydney, you know, uses food to keep the peace or whatever. Um, We have episode seven. Um, Abraham reads aloud a very positive review in the restaurant, which especially mentions the risotto that Sydney served, unknowingly to a food critic. Tina's son gets suspended from school as she brings him to the restaurant to learn culinary schools. That was so out of left field. I don't know yeah. why her child was there, but okay. Um, just before the lunch runch, lush runch, the team learns that Sydney left the pre-order option active on their newly customized to-go service generating more orders than they can feel Carmen gets angry with Sydney and Marcus as Sydney accidentally stabs Richie in the chaos and announces her immediate pregnancy resignation resignation Resignation, yes as Carmen begins to mentally deteriorate mentally Um, deteriorate (laughs) (laughs) that this was a wild episode when Sydney looked at who was she talking to Richie or Marcus, and she was like, go kill yourself. I was like, sis. <laughs> Your mistake. That's New York attitude for you. Right. I was like, god damn. Um, I mean, but of course, everybody's losing their goddamn mind <laughs> because they weren't ready for pre-order service. They were ready for to go. Right. And so chaos fucking ensues. I think this is, I think the beginning of episode eight or the end of episode seven is where we have that scene that went viral on Twitter of Carmi. Oh no, that's the second season two. But this is like one of those moments where you're just like the most shit in the world is happening. <laughs> like everybody is having a panic attack at the same time and you can feel the collective panic through the screen. <laughs> right. Um. So episode eight, last one of season one is um. Barcelona. Brasilla. Okay, whatever. Carmi attends an AI a non AI a non meeting and shares that he started in the restaurant business because his brother didn't let him work at the beef. Sydney and Marcus meet at her apartment and discuss their futures after they both quit due to Carmi's outburst. The beef hosts a bachelor party <laughs> because for Cicero, where a fight breaks out and Richie is arrested for nearly killing a guest. The man recovers and Richie is charged with aggravated assault. The man was on drugs and he fell at his head. Wasn't that it? Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Marcus returns to work and Carmi apologizes. Um, 
Carmi accidentally starts a stove farm it takes no actions he's out of it like he's cooking and a fire starts the other chef exting- the other chefs extinguish it Richie gives Carmi a letter left to him by Michael a- a- um by the way Richie found this letter months ago and still and didn't give it to Carmi Navy gave it to Carmi ugh which Rich includes an, he's uh, he's an asshole like he literally is an like, asshole like i i didn't understand why he did that like him and michael were best friends cool you lost your best friend he lost his fucking brother now what it's like he yeah. wants to make show carmy that he was more special to michael and therefore he has rights to the restaurant but bitch you don't know how to run a fucking restaurant so what are we doing <laughs> like it's it was a very weird dynamic where he's like trying to be carmy's older brother yeah but hate him at the same time and i'm like what do you what do you hate him for <laughs> i it's it, he was just like he was just bitter he was yes just he was bitter like, and i feel learned, like you learn why later on but yeah. yeah but he was i feel like it was also because he realized if carmy stepped up then he has no place in the restaurant yeah and i think he said something like that yeah yeah he he literally said something like that when he was apologizing to sugar later in the season yeah so, um, Richie gives Carmi a letter left to him by Michael, which includes a spaghetti recipe with the direction to use smaller cans of tomatoes because they taste better. Carmi opens one of the cans and finds $100 bills inside. They close the restaurant for a day, open all the cans, and find more hidden money. Sydney returns after Carmi sends her a text with an apology and suggestions for improvements to her risotto dish. Carmi hangs a sign announcing that the beef is closed and that a new restaurant called The Bear will be opening soon. I want to know how he got the cans closed after he opened them. <laughs> That's what I want to know, too. <laughs> this magic. Because tomato sauce spoils after you open it. <laughs> um, but yeah, they found a bunch of money. Everybody's like, woo, the restaurant is saved. Psych. <laughs> um, so that's the end of season one. What were your feelings after that? I was just very interested to see how the story was going to progress. I was hoping to see that Richie becomes a better person because he was really pissing me off in season one. Oh like my I God. genuinely <laughs> disliked him. Yes. I wanted to see um, where, how things would end up for Sid. Like I was hoping she would end up being yeah. successful in season two and maybe like either being the head of the restaurant or maybe leaving and founding her own place. I don't know. I was like okay, team Sid the whole way. Yes. I was also tested. Um, I really enjoyed the pacing. I whenever I started watching an episode, time went by so fast. And I was like, that's the end. Bitch, that's the yeah, end. Yeah, <laughs> the episodes were very quick. <laughs> they were very quick, but they were so to the point. Um, I appreciate their effort to give everybody a story, but I was I only care about Carmi and Sid. <laughs> like, is Carmi going to mentally be okay? Has he even, like, truly grieved Michael? The conversations between him and Sugar are really nice. Because Sugar's just like, I'm fucking worried about you. He's like, I'm okay. Nigga, you probably smoking a pack of cigarettes today. You're not okay. <laughs> you are not okay. <laughs> and so to see that type of thing, um, really wanted to punch Richie in the face. I also wanted to punch fucking Tina in the face, too. She was getting on my nerves. Um... I felt for Marcus and his passion for baking, and so I was excited to see what happens next season. So, into the episode number nine, into season two, beef. 
Carmia and Sydney begin to develop a new minion for the bear and bring in Natalie as a project manager for renovations. Needing additional funds, they ask Cicero for a $500,000 loan. Like y'all aren't already Ooh. in debt to that thing. Literally okay. like... And also, what the fuck does Cicero do that he has $500,000 just to loan out? To loan <laughs> Um, he agrees with the condition that if it is not paid back in 18 months, he will take ownership of the property, which is estimated for $2 million. They develop a plan to open in three months. God help them. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Sugar's and his project manager, we're still, you know, people are still begrudgingly accepting this whole thing, but they're, the staff is getting a little bit more, um, how do you say willing to change so yeah episode two season two pasta construction delays occur including the discovery of a mold problem sydney has dinner with her father who expresses his concerns about her choice to open a restaurant with sydney now as chef de cuisine she asks tina to be her sous chef to the latter's delight she sends tina and ebra to a culinary school meanwhile carmy reconnects with his childhood friend claire now a resident in emergency medicine but purposely gives her a wrong number. Let's talk about the first part of this. When they found the mold and Ricky was like, we don't have to tell anybody. What are <laughs> you talking about? Mold? <laughs> Black mold? Isn't that shit like highly dangerous? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there are certain molds that like, if you even breathe in the toxins that come from it, it could be very like detrimental for your um, respiratory system. So like you should report any mold that you see. <laughs> And he was just like, nah, it's okay. I'm like, Nick, I loved Fack in that episode because he was like, he's like, I'm telling Sugar. <laughs> he's like, no, you're not. <laughs> Mom! <laughs> he's like, yes, I am. <laughs> Bitch, what do you mean? Um, Sydney has dinner with her father. We kind of get to start to learning about her past. She didn't really do well during COVID. Um, Tina becoming the sous chef was kind of cute. Her and Ibra going to culinary school. And then the fuck shit starts with Claire. <laughs> When Carmi gave her personally a wrong number, and you could tell that he was giving her a wrong number when he was when he was like reciting the digits, and I was like, "Bitch, you don't want this woman to contact you. What's happening?" Yeah. yeah. All right. Episode three, season two. Carmi continues to attend AI Anon meetings, where he discusses his struggle to find time for leisure and enjoyment. He and Sydney prepare their menu, but realize they have to get out of their routine and sample food at other restaurants. Carmi spends time with Claire instead of going with Sydney. So she goes to restaurants around the city to sample dishes. Gathering inspiration, she also receives feedback from a former colleague who stresses the importance of having a business partner she can trust. Sydney returns to the bear and becomes upset when she discovers Carmi has been making decisions without consulting her. Um, This episode frustrated the fuck out of me. This was one of the first times I wanted to whack Carmi upside his fucking head. You're the one who wants to do a new menu. You're the one who wants to go from sandwiches to fine dining, bitch. Then get out in the streets. What the fuck are you doing kissing and fucking Claire in an apartment where my homegirl yeah. is out here going up and down like you got, New York? There is work to be done. I mean, come on now. <laughs> and so when her colleague is like, you need a business partner she could trust, and she starts to get paranoid, I'm like, I'm with you because... I'll be damned if I go into another business with somebody who's going to ruin it because he's got a fucking girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. 
And it could seem like Sydney was overreacting when she found out that um, Carmi was making decisions without her because technically he is the owner. But if she's going to be head chef, like, you got to talk to her. She needs to know everything that's going on. Right. Especially since she's been out here busting her ass. (laughs) Like... While you've been making out with women in your apartment, like, <laughs> sir. Oh, that's interesting. I just realized we'll talk about that later. But I just realized that they had like another director for. Oh, come in and do like a special directing. I don't know. It's just like a new person, like a guest name. director. Oh, okay. Yeah, because the other ones have just been Christopher Stoner. And then Jonah Kalo, and they're the. Was she only there for one episode, or is it saying her name on other episodes as well? Well, Jane Kalo and Christopher Stone have store have been here since season one. The new person for this episode that we are about to talk about is called Rami Youssef. Oh, okay. And he's a stand-up comedian. Mm, that's interesting. I wonder if it was just like a guest director type situation. Yeah. Because I know with especially TV shows that are on like on TV and not straight to, not made on streaming platforms there's a lot more yeah. writers in the room i feel like yeah there's a lot there's a there's how many writers is on this project producers executive producers 1 2 3 4 5 6 people wow and then yeah their writers like it changes every couple episodes of who writing so christopher store wrote most of the the first three episodes of season one and then you have one two three three other people a combination of like four of the people who are doing four through six and then him and joanna come back for seven and eight yeah i wonder if that makes the writing interesting hmm Huh, okay. Episode four of season two. Two months before the planned opening, Carmen learns from Natalie that she is pregnant. Sugar is pregnant. Richie, in fact, continue to lead construction efforts while Sydney begins screening new employees. Meanwhile, Marcus is tasked with developing three unique desserts for the bear. He temporarily leaves his terminally ill mother to travel to Copenhagen to learn from Luca, a skilled pastry chef, and the two quickly form a kinship. Luca recounts being humbled about his level of talent after working with the more skilled chef, Carmi, and how he has since found a better balance between honing his craft and appreciating life outside the kitchen. Marcus is inspired by the experience while growing feelings for Sydney. This is my... Let's take a pause. This is my first time I'm gonna have beef with everybody on the fucking internet. Why did y'all make it look like Luca and Marcus were in a relationship? I went into this story thinking Marcus was gay or bi. Really? And so when the story turned to him like in Sydney, I said, girl, what the fuck is happening? The internet told me that him and Luca had a thing. I was expecting Luca to come up in season one. This is why Twitter is the devil. I was like, I was heavily Yeah, influenced. I hadn't seen, I didn't see anything about the shipping stuff. Like I saw like a couple of like uh, Carmi and Sid edits, but I hadn't seen the shipping of anything else. So that's so interesting that they made it seem like that. Girl, I was like, what do you mean he's in love with Sydney? Okay, we love a bi king. Like y'all were literally taking that one screenshot and romanticizing the fuck out of it. And 
I don't know. Maybe I interpreted wrong, but I felt like it's Twitter. You know what? No, I'm gonna blame Twitter. Fuck y'all. I was just like, I was like, huh? Because I was so excited to see Luca. Because I was like, oh my god, Luca and Marcus, and it was nothing. <laughs> it was absolutely nothing. All right. Then we have season two, episode five. Um, Sydney continues developing the menu with help from Tina, who was thriving in culinary school. Although Tina is troubled um, when Ebra stops attending, Natalie convinces Cicero to expedite permit applications. Claire accompanies Carmi to drop off a liquor license application where the pair bond. She convinces him to accompany her to a party where Carmi realizes Claire represents the release enjoyment he has been searching for. What? <laughs> After the party, <laughs> Carmi takes Claire to see the restaurant, walking in on an, on an argument about Richie stealing electricity from a neighboring building. When the restaurant clears, Carmi and Claire share their first kiss. There was so much happening in this episode. The Ebra thing, we just got off a whole episode of Marcus. What the fuck does Cicero do that he can make government workers expedite applications for him? How much money does this man have? Do they ever mention his job? (laughs) I'm about to look it up right now because I feel like they had to have said something and I just missed it entirely. (laughs) Cicero. Okay. Um, Okay. Blah, blah, blah. Ding, they don't say what he does. See? Suspect. <laughs> the man is doing illegal shit. He's doing illegal I mean, shit. They are in Chicago. They are Italian. Italian, I was about to say. I'm not going to say <laughs> it. I'm thinking it, you're thinking it. But, you know, I'm sure they'll give us something soon. Um, Even on the Reddit, the, the bare Reddit people are saying Cicero's a gangster of some kind. Definitely involved in illegal activity. <laughs> right. Um... So they go to this party and once again, I think I'm being influenced heavily by Twitter, but seeing Claire and Carmi together, I never thought they were cute. (laughs) I was just like, one, I feel like you're not focusing on what you should be. Two, (laughs) I don't feel the chemistry between the two of them. I didn't feel the chemistry between them either. Like I was happy to see that Carmi was happy but at the same time I was like there's no, there's no I'm not spark, seeing babe. it for y'all yeah <laughs> truly there's like there's no spark and especially how the people hyped up Carmi and Sid I was yeah. like if he fucks her then what was what is the Carmi and Sid thing uh, and there was no Carmi and Sid we'll get to that I was like they I, look, Carmi and Sid are very confusing girl listen Oh, we'll get to it because they are they they be going back and forth and I'm just like pick a lane. Um, all right, season two, episode six. Approximately five years before the bear is set to open, Carmi returns to Copenhagen to spend Christmas with his family. Girl, this episode and friends. Michael and Carmi warn Natalie not to ask their alcoholic, volatile mother Donna about her mental state. Donna drunkenly prepares a meal based on the Feast of Seven Fishes. Ricky asks Cicero for a job, which Cicero later grants him. Carmi's cousin Michelle encourages him to stay with her in New York to pursue his career. Noticing how the dysfunction in his family weighs on him, Michelle was the only real one. Girl, she loved that entire episode. As they await dinner, the group debates the origin of the Seven Fish tradition. Lee, Donna's on and off boyfriend. I didn't know if he was a stepdad or a boyfriend, whoever the hell he was, who Michael resents. 
offers his interpretation, but an intoxicated Michael repeatedly throws a fork at him. Natalie asks an upset Donna if she's okay. Donna has an emotional burst and leaves. Michael throws another fork at Lee when he scorns Donna's behavior, and a fight nearly occurs, only to be erupted when Donna crashes her car into the dining room. <laughs> there was so much happening in this episode. I... I screamed. I I I was confused. Seeing Donna, I was like, oh no wonder Carmi's not okay. Um, sis is not okay. And, yeah. And everybody's like, don't ask her if she's okay. Why has nobody take mom to the doctor? <laughs> why has nobody like why are y'all letting her drink? <laughs> like y'all, you're asking the real questions we need answers to because I was wondering <laughs> the same shit. Every time she picked up a glass of wine, I was like, there's no way this night ends okay. There's absolutely no way this night ends courting. And then Michael, like, being a sheer, like, mirror of his mother and being like, my father this, my father that. I mean, if Donna has someone who's willing to be next to her in this un-okay state, you would think he'd be okay. Like, Michael was acting like a child. And so I was getting very confused at why Carmi looks up to his brother. And and I realized later on it's because Michael's charismatic or whatever. I was like, Michael's just a jackass who, who talks over people in conversations. And I'm like, this has to be, like, a little brother male gaze thing because I don't find Michael charming at all. <laughs> like, at all. Um... He just feels very bossy, but I also understand as the oldest child, he probably had to take on a lot of the responsibilities of their house after their father died, especially where his mother is concerned. And so him being an addict, not surprising. Him unfortunately committing suicide, also not surprising. Carmi not being okay. Sugar? Sugar, I don't even know how. <laughs> she managed to turn out so well. Yeah. De- decent. Like, married a, an okay man. And they be so mean to her husband. I'm like, he's trying. I thought so. Especially <laughs> um, that episode when they had a little kid's party. I was like, leave that poor man alone. Like, he just wants to be y'all's friend. He's y'all's brother-in-law. Like, he just wants to be included in the family. Y'all don't gotta bully him. And Carmi and Michael and Ricky act like they're some kind of fucking gangsters. Cicero, I understand. The rest of he y'all... Because he actually bitches. is. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the rest of y'all work at a restaurant. Like, why are y'all acting like y'all from the hood or some shit? And this is like some dorky-ass motherfucking kid. I'm like, Carmi's actually really smart. It takes a lot to be a fucking culinary chef at a top um michelin star restaurant so i don't understand where the like animosity for their brother-in-law is like is it protectiveness over sugar but he's good to sugar so i don't understand i truly don't understand where that comes from all right that episode was long though that episode was excruciating that was the first time i had to like pause and walk away because i was like if they have one more fucking fight (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna lose it um so episode seven, season two, Richie is sent by Carmi to Ever, an upscale fine dining restaurant for the week as education. Richie is deeply skeptical of the restaurant and annoyed by having to wake up before dawn to meticulously clean forks. After seeing how dedicated the restaurant staff are to their customers, he has a change of heart. 
becoming enthusiastic and learning to expedite a busy dinner service. At the end of the week, Richie is sad to leave and asks about staying on permanently. Before leaving, he meets the owner, Terry, who recounts the origins of the restaurant, how she overcame professional setbacks. Terry assures Richie that he has good people skills and that Carmen believes in him. This episode was like, fine, here's Richie's redemption arc. <laughs> yeah. I still don't know if that made me like Richie more. I'm just not as annoyed as I was before, now that he's serious about working. Um, But showing when they started showing us the restaurant culture forever, I was like, I still, I guess I don't I don't quite understand fine dining because I also like good food and like maybe one day like manifest it we'll go to a five-star restaurant or whatever yeah but it just don't seem worth it to me <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever been to like one of those experiences where you like they serve you different courses like I've never mm-hmm. experienced that like a course meal I mean maybe we'll go we'll we probably do a lot of first stuff together as friends but it's just yeah. like I get it, but I don't. It's like, I love that for you. <laughs> if you like it, I love it. That kind of feeling. Right. <laughs> All right. Episode 8, Season 2. Um, Ten days before opening, Carmi and Sydney are panicking over their inability to pass the fire suppression test. Eber returns, reconciles with Tina, and agrees to take over the restaurant's takeout sandwich window, which I thought was a good place for him. Richie returns with a newfound sense of purpose and Marcus returns from Copenhagen with a new dessert menu. Richie apologizes to Sugar for the way he has treated her and they begin interviewing front of house candidates. Um, Sydney begins to see Claire as a threat to Carmi's focus, which she fu- she's not wrong. <laughs> um, Fact realizes that Michael disabled the fire suppression system when he tried to commit insurance fraud by burning down the restaurant. Fact fixes it in time for the test and they pass, allowing the restaurant to open. Carmi, realizing he loves Claire, makes dinner. When that happened, when they said it was Operation Something, Operation Something that Richie kept saying, and I said, Oh, he said Jewish something, something it Jewish. It was something derogatory. Um, yeah, and they're like, You can't <laughs> say that. And I was like, Are you telling me? This man was going to burn the place to the ground for just, money? Yeah, just you to get money. sell that shit to Cicero and make a new restaurant. I was like, what are we holding on to at this point? Like, you can't be that down bad. <laughs> you can't be. But addiction is very bad. It it works, it's told on people. But even then, and Richie, the one like low-key supporting Michael in that thought. I mean, I wonder if Richie stopped Michael because it didn't burn down. Or did they yeah. set fire and it just didn't catch? I don't know. Um, but Sydney realizing that Carmi is not on focus and they got about less than two weeks to open this restaurant, I can't even be mad at her once again because we've learned that Sydney, um, Sydney failed during COVID-19. She opened her own catering business and it fucking took a toll on her. She doesn't want to fail again. So... Yes. Which is understandable. It's completely understandable. Running a business is a risk. We're yeah. literally going over economics of my third graders, and I had to t- ask them why was it hard to open a business? And they were like, because nobody would come to your store. I was like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, 
Uh, season two, episode nine. The bear is set for its soft opening for family and friends only. Sydney feels pressured to impress her father. Carmine begins to second guess the plans and forgets to have the handle of the walk-in fridge replaced. Natalie informs Carmine that she has invited their mother. Richie and Natalie see the restaurant is fully booked for two weeks, but need to increase reservations to stay profitable. Cicero delivers the official business license to Carmi. Carmi apologizes to Sid for his lack of focus and gives her a custom chef's coat. With the team prepared and the restaurant ready to launch, Richie opens the bear for business. When Sugar said she invited their mom, um, I was like hoping that she was better. Because I was like, yeah, things can't go wrong tomorrow. <laughs> And I was expecting mom to be the thing that went wrong tomorrow. But episode 10 fucking showed me that was not <laughs> what there was are, There are plenty of other things that could have went wrong. There are plenty other oh, shit You know what? In episode 10 is an example of why when someone, if you own a business and one of your employees says, hey, can you call this guy about this thing? You should just do that immediately. Truly. Don't wait. <laughs> Truly. Um... On family and friends night, Richie runs the front of the house while Sydney runs the kitchen. Issues begin to mount. Semicolon, that means there's a list, people. The <laughs> restaurant runs out of forks. Sydney and Marcus are forced to assist when a line cook disappears. The walk-in refrigerator handle breaks, trapping Carmi inside. That was like in the first 15 minutes. Richie successfully takes over expediting. Um, He starts to call and leaves Sydney to cook, which is great. Pete Natalie's husband sees Donna outside, but she refuses to go in, feeling she does not deserve to witness her children's success. That made me super sad. You can yeah, tell I felt she- very bad during. I was like that scene. I was irritated with the mom, but also I felt very bad for her. Yes, like you feel Pete's like anguish in that scene. He's like, no, Pete is like such a sweet guy. He's such a sweetheart. Like Sugar really did that. She really married somebody who was nothing like her fucking brothers. Good for her. <laughs> she looks like the only one who's semi-healed from being raised by Donna or having to deal with Donna and, you know, well, I don't want to say deal with her like it's a bad thing, but, you know, being raised by a parent who has a mental illness is hard for the child as well. And so yeah, for Sugar to be able to marry somebody like Pete who is understanding and is willing to help her, like, try to get their mother back together with the boys like ugh. and you could tell that she's still mourning michael as well when she says all this when they her and pete are having that conversation she's like i don't get to see sydney and sugar not sydney carmy and sydney be good it's almost like she's saying because michael died right yeah she's blaming yeah. herself yeah oh that was hurt that hurt that hurt it okay pete accidentally mm-hmm. reveals natalie's pregnancy to donna before she leaves um trapped in the fridge carmy spirals into self-loathing and rants about how his relationship with claire has ruined his focus in the kitchen claire overhears him and leaves in tears richie lee sees her leave and has a heated argument with carmy through the refrigerator door carmy is devastated when he plays a missed voicemail from claire early in the day in which she confesses her love to him the service ultimately unsuccessfully marcus receives a gift from luca although he misses numerous panic calls from his mother's nurse and Sydney feels stressed, yet emboldened by the successful opening night. There was so much shit that happened. Uh, first of all, Marcus finding Josh, the employee who ran off doing meth in the back of the <laughs> no, restaurant. That was so 
I was like, okay, a line cook could disappear for a lot of reasons. I don't know. I thought he just um, got stressed out. A family out emergency. And, yeah. Right. Just stressed out and left. That man is doing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing meth. Not any drugs. He was doing meth. I was like, oh, okay. So like, I wanted to make sure that tonight was going to fail. <laughs> the writer was like, let's just drop some meth in here. Because cocaine wasn't enough. <laughs> and then the scene with Donna happened. The scene with Carmi finally coming into fruition that he hasn't been focused over the past week. Sure. My problem with the Carmi and Claire situation, it is Richie guilt tripping him about not being in love with Claire. It's like, okay. Yeah. It feels like it's a thing of where he had to convince himself that he was in love with her because she was, she's good for him. Like it's a thing of where like this person on paper is everything that you are supposed to want in a partner, but he probably does not actually love her. Right. They, like, have this unrequited, unfinished thing from, like, college or high school, and his entire family is like, yes, Claire's the one for you. And Carmi's a different person than he was that many years ago. His brother just died. He's not okay. Like... He doesn't really need to be in a relationship with anybody right now. Um, He needs to focus on work. And I can understand that when he first became a successful chef, chef, finding life outside of work was hard, especially since he was away from his family. But now that he's back and he's starting his own business, he you can't just pick a person and be like, this is my this is my clarity way home, especially when you're grieving over somebody so close to you. Like, Claire, I don't even think Claire was the right person, but it was definitely the wrong timing. Um, Yeah. Because his first initial gut reaction to her was to give her the wrong fucking phone number. And didn't Richie give her the right one? Or somebody gave her Carmi's actual number. And I was like, girl, I would have took the fucking hint. (laughs) Like, he don't want you, friend. And yeah, it just feels like every time they talked and Carmi was finding a little bit of relaxation in her because she doesn't work in the cooking field. Like, I completely get that. And so it's natural for him to be relaxed around her. But y'all could be friends. Exactly. That's always an option. (laughs) And her confessing her love, I said, love of what? She was like, How? <laughs> she she basically, I, I don't think she was confessing her love, but she basically was saying that she has had a crush on him for like a very long time and that he was a special person. Yeah, I feel like it's a lot of nostalgia between the two of them, not love. Yeah, I f- literally on her end, it's just like a crush that she had for a long time, finally giving her attention and him is just like you said, someone who is not in the same industry and it makes him feel, feel relaxed. Now with that being said, let me cuss out y'all motherfuckers on Twitter one more time. <laughs> Who the fuck kept posting images of Sydney and Carmi like they were going to get together? The more episodes this going, I was like, when is the spark supposed to happen? Two. Literally. Two. I don't think I want Sydney to be with Carmi. I damn sure for don't want her to be with Marcus. That was weird and left field to me. Yeah, especially uh, <laughs> when he was um when he was being aggy towards her after she yeah. rejected him. 
I said, not a nigga being nigger. <laughs> not you being a like, full ooh. heterosexual man at that moment. I kept thinking, like, ooh, are they going to have to fire him because he's being weird? Yeah. But I get that they kind of have, like, the, mo- the moment that got me that really had me thinking, once again, that Carmi and Sydney were going to be a thing, is that moment where he's fucking panicking before the opening and he thinks about her and calms down. I was like, that Literally, right like, I, same exact for me, because it had a montage of everybody and yeah. she was the last person he thought of. Okay. 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 And then right after that, it was the scene of them fixing the table together. Yes! And I was like, is this, I kept looking at this scene like, is this supposed to be romantic? Am I, I thought, was gonna kiss. I thought they were going to end up kissing. I thought they were right. going to end up kissing. I really did. I was like, am I supposed to be reading this as romantic? Are they just like soulmates in the kitchen? And even then, I feel like there should be a little bit of a harsher line. Because the way, okay, because the way Carmi was talking to Sydney in that scene, I was like, sir yeah speaking like telling her like okay can you can you go fix the other side and while you're doing that please tell me what's on your mind and i'm like bro like y'all okay not this pillow talk (laughs) that's exactly what it sounded like it sounded like it it sounded like it and it looked like it because they were both laying down (laughs) it was very romantic yes girl very intimate so i me seeing all of those scenes before i watched the entire series i said you bitches lied to me. I've been bamboozled. <laughs> Where was what I was promised? I was promised Marcus and Luca, and I was waiting for it. I was promised Sydney and Carton, and I was waiting for it. And the thing is, the thing is that not only was there all of the people shipping them, there was so much discourse on the other side of people being like, they're not romantically involved. Why can't they be fucking friends? I was like... And the thing f- is, they they can be friends, but what friends especially like okay i don't know how to say this but when it comes to male and like cisgender hetero female and male relationships you can definitely be very close friends with a male friend but the Uh way that they were laying down and talking to each other i don't know like that's a bit there's some lines that's being crossed there a little bit when like Carmi it wasn't uses Sydney as a focus point to calm down yeah. from their mental spiral, we have yeah. crossed the line. That's not a friend. You're like, I don't want her to be like a trope of being his healing him mentally, which is great. But for Carmi to be like in Carmi's had a lot of emotional spirals, like between season one and season two. And we've never really seen him calm down. We've seen him like explode and fire happens or he cusses people out for the first moment. in like both of these seasons for him to be like, I have got to get my shit together. Let me focus on something that calms me down. And it's Sydney, the way that kitchen stresses him out the way it's like, if it was supposed to be something non-romantic i can see him thinking about michael and being like my brother's gonna be so proud of me or him thinking about his mother or claire even if he thought about claire i'd be like that makes so much sense because claire has been throughout the season his distraction right for yeah the woman who is in battle with him to make this fucking restaurant work and it's not like it was sydney in combination with other employees it was sydney walking through the door with light shining behind her looking like, like an angel coming to save him like the first time they met 
Sydney talk asking them them working together to figure out a recipe. Also, that low-key scene when they were in his apartment and they're just like chit-chatting back and forth about the menu before he fucking dumps her for Claire. I was like, not you running to Claire after you've been sitting here just chilling. Like, that was one of the few scenes where I feel like they've been talking about the restaurant and it didn't feel stressed. It didn't feel yeah. tense. Like, it was just the two of them being like, okay, yes, we're thinking of food. I'm thinking of this. Why do you have denim in your fucking stove? <laughs> Like, I was just like, so now, like, a part of me is like, I don't want Sydney and Carmen to be together because I don't want it to ruin their business. Yeah. I also don't want Sydney to be like his, um, you know, my favorite line, the pussy heals everything. I don't want that to happen. Also, I need a very accurate age difference between the two of them because Io looks very young. <laughs> and they made Carmen look older than he is because i think because of the stress so i just want to I, I, I feel like io is like is giving like 25 24 yeah she's giving like mid-20s and he's giving yeah. early 30s yeah definitely which early is 30s. cool with i'm just i just need just, just gotta to, make sure just gotta make sure before i jump full headed to the ship and i have low-key been avoiding the summer of the swirl the only two people who, the only two couples who have got me this swirly summer is Ariel and Prince Eric because they were cute and the bear and so I want the writers to be very clear about is this romantic or not and stop confusing me so I can stop cussing y'all out on Twitter because <laughs> I understand people who are just like they just seem like soulmates and soulmates don't have to be romantic but <laughs> If your soulmate is the person you're thinking about when you're having a mental breakdown, that person it's it can't only be platonic. That's like a very it's a very deep love you have for that person. A deep that person means a lot to you. If it was his family, I would have been like if it if he would have thought of sugar, I would have been like, Yes, your sister's been the calm in the storm and she's gonna make sure tonight is also calm. But Sydney? After y'all fell out, almost fell out the first season, after she's been on your ass about being with Claire, and you're still thinking you have a girlfriend <laughs> or a situationship, like that should not be the first person on your mind. So I want to see how they're gonna tackle that. Um, I don't. Season two for me was very slow in the beginning. Um, as much we got so much carmy centered storyline in the first season that i missed him in the second season because the first like few episodes were about the other people and i'm like cool you want this to be a multi-focused show but it almost felt meaningless like cool marcus and tina and ebra's story could all been one episode in my head their little side stories about being at the culinary school about richie's i understand being a whole episode because we had to have a redemption art for ricky (laughs) <laughs> for Richie <laughs> like we had to learn to like him because in the first season once again I was ready to bust him upside horrible. <laughs> he was yeah. a horrible human um but that whole side story with Tina the whole side story with Marcus the whole side story with Ebra could have all been like one episode and them dragging it out for three episodes or so um didn't 
fit with the pacing of the show in the beginning. And so, but then I was talking about this on Twitter and a mutual of mine also pointed out that Fishes, the episode with his family, maybe they didn't break it up because they wanted us to feel as stressed out as Carmi did by having an all-in-one episode. So I thought that was an interesting craft aspect because imagine if they had broken up the scenes from Christmas over the first six episodes. Would the pacing mm-hmm. of the show have been different? But I also understand the impact of having everything in one episode. It's just like, God, when is this dinner going to end? And so you kind of understand how Michael, Carmi, and Sugar all grew up. But yeah, I definitely like season one more than I did season two. But they need to give us... Hulu needs to get their shit together so we can get season three. <laughs> Pay your writers more. Pay your writers. Pay your actors. Stop being motherfucking cheapskates because... I have to see what season three is going to look like. Yeah, how did you feel about season two? Uh, I liked it a lot. I definitely do agree that the pacing was a bit slower, but mm-hmm. the highs of season two were very high and intense that I almost like, didn't mind the pacing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite character or moment from either seasons? Uh, Favorite character in both seasons is Sid. Favorite mm-hmm. moment is when Richie was apologizing to Sugar. Basically, he was saying that like he yeah. did not feel like he belonged anywhere, and that he was sorry for taking it out, taking it out on her. And I just thought that was mm-hmm. a very good apology. And then seeing him like, like, oh, like I'm wearing suits now. This is what I do. He's, what did he say? He's like, I, I'm wearing a suit because it makes me feel better about myself. Yeah. And I was like, look at you. Look That's at you. amazing. Almost like he went to therapy. Like, Richie really got his shit together. Yeah. And I was like, come on, sir. Um, My favorite character is definitely Sydney. I also have a love for Carmi because I want him to be better. <laughs> like, I want him to be okay. <laughs> like, or at least going towards okay. And I do love that in season two that they didn't skim over the fact that we're still mourning Michael. So there'd be, like, one or two moments during the season where they're like, yeah... When they like find Michael, didn't they find Michael's hat in the locker? Like they hadn't opened the locker, and so when they were redoing the kitchen back there, they finally um got his hat out, and they all kind of have like a moment of pause to think about Michael, yeah. which I thought was very nice. Um, it still feels like a real show. They feel like real characters. That scene between Richie and Carmi in the freezer, my God, I was just like. As somebody who writes, having to write that... Like, I wonder how much of that was written dialogue and how much of it was the actors just going with the flow. Yeah. The amount of times they kept cussing and Richie at the end, he was like, I fucking love you. I fucking love you. I was like, damn. And and I hope you freeze to death. (laughs) I hope you freeze to death. I fucking love... Fuck you, Richie. I was like, Jesus. But, like, you could finally see that was, like, Carmi's last straw. At that moment, he was like, I can't believe I didn't fucking call the person <laughs> to yeah. fix the Fraser. So, yeah, that was my favorite little thing. Um, but, yeah, I need season three. I highly suggest The Bear if you're looking for a good binge. Don't go on Twitter until you've done the show and you won't be a little disappointed like I was. But I give The Bear, I give season one 
a nine. I give season two an eight point five. Yeah, I would give season one a nine as well, and then season two like a seven and a half. Yes, yes. All right, so we, the two of us, will probably be back for something else extremely messy. Don't ever expect <laughs> us to talk about anything tame. <laughs> but we hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Thank you for giving us some grace with the uploads, but you'll be hearing this sooner rather than later. Um, you can always follow us on Twitter at commented our TikTok comments podcast. Until next time, I'm Tori. And I'm Decoria. Bye. Bye.